Hello, everybody, and welcome back to First and Gold, hardest-hitting, up-and-coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Tuesday, March 29th in the year 2022, and today we're going to be discussing the great state of Virginia and some football, a little bit of both programs they got going on this year, a little more on the Cavaliers than the Hokies, maybe, but uh, we're going to be discussing a lot of state, but we got a lot to get into as always, I am your host, Ben, joined here by my co-host, the one, the only, the goofy Big Rob. How the hell's it going, man? Say hello to the big guy. The big guy? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we just, uh, man, it's a great day to talk a little bit of football. You know, it's, uh, the sun's been shining all day. You know, it's, every day's a good day to talk football, though, isn't it? Oh, man. Anytime, any day, any place, anywhere. I'm telling you, brother. I'm telling you. And today, just like Ben said, we're going to talk a little Virginia football. Not just one school, not just two, not just the other school, but we're talking about both of them today. Yeah, because uh, originally we was going to discuss just the Cavaliers in this episode, but hell, the more we thought about it, the more we looked into it, I mean, both programs are rebuilding now yeah. in the middle of rebuild. Virginia was not planned as their head coach last year kind of abruptly resigned. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, with the six and six seasons they had last year, they were going to a bowl game. That bowl game ended up getting canceled, but Bronco just, you know, had some, had some personal issues and decided to call it a day. Yeah. Call it a day, call it a career. I'm not sure. I don't know if we'll be seeing from him anymore or not. I mean, who knows? He's still pretty young. Yeah. He was a hell of a coach, man. I really enjoyed watching him and watching what he's doing with this Virginia program. I mean. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, Bronco, you know, the kids love Bronco. You know, he, I mean, you could just tell that just by looking at what these kids said, look at how many transfers have happened since he left the program. You know, it's, it was heartbreaking for him. Yeah, it really was. And you hate to see that many pro that many transfers, man, from the program. Yeah. Hell, they were six and six last year, but this was a really challenging football team to come up against. I mean, you look at them, they had some issues with the defense, really struggled getting off the field, but I mean, that offense they had. Well, that offense, I'm telling you, man, when uh, when the ball was in the air you could almost guarantee that some yards were being got for Virginia. Yes, sir. That quarterback they had, old left-handed quarterback. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Brendan Armstrong, wasn't it? Brendan Armstrong, yes, sir. Hell of a player. I'm I, telling you, man. I mean, those guys, they really turned some numbers. It was really impressive. The defense, like I said, they just – they weren't even necessarily bad, but it was just very inconsistent throughout the year. But I was really looking forward to this year saying, man, thinking that defense figured out. That team could pose a lot of problems in the ACC, especially when you look at Pittsburgh, got a big vacancy in the quarterback position. Yes, sir. North Carolina got a little bit of a rebuild going down that going on down there. Yep. Wake Forest has some players leave. Clemson, they still are trying to figure out how to get back to where they were. Still a little soul searching going on down there. I mean, it's still a very wide open ACC. Yeah, I mean, you know, not to mention their offensive and defense coordinator leaves out there at Clemson. Yeah, exactly. I mean. This is a very much wide open conference. I mean, Florida State—they still don't know who the hell they are. You know? <laughs> they, yeah, they, they still trying to find themselves down there in Florida State. Yeah, and I mean, there's always Duke. Who? Duke. 
Duke who? You know, the Blue Devils. The Blue Devils. The Blue Devils? Duke Nukem Blue Devils? Yeah, the Blue Devils, man. <laughs> down there, a good old Blue Devils. I don't know, man. That new coach they got coming there. I mean, they might surprise us here, too. Oh, yeah. They absolutely could, man. I mean, this whole conference is just wide open, man. I mean, there's no two teams that really are going to dominate this year, I don't think. I think everything is really up in the air. And, you know, and that's what I love about this conference, man. Everything's settled on the field. It really is. I mean, ACC football, I, I got to be honest with y'all. I love the SEC, love the ACC. But, man, it just seems like the more and more ACC I watch, I really I really enjoy the ACC games. I mean, it's just a whole different speed to the game. and It's a lot almost pure form of football to me. The SEC, don't get me wrong, they still put on some, a, a great product on the field. Yeah. But it almost seems more professional than what it does in the ACC. It has a lot more of an NFL vibe to it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. It seems like it's all business and not just the play. Yeah, and I think NIL definitely hurt that a little bit more, too. Oh, you ain't lying. You ain't lying about that. It just... I don't know. It just... It's not the same. No. No, it's not. It's really not, man. I mean, you know, the sad thing is you've got the teams in the SEC that are, you know, middle of the road. You know, teams such as South Carolina, you know, seems like now Auburn, um, you know, just, just your middle, middle tier teams are competing against your Alabamas, your LSUs, you know, things of that nature, man. And it's just, it just seems all one sided, your Georges and everything. A lot of the time anymore. Yeah, it's very different how things go on. Where the ACC, on the other hand, it seems like any given day, any team could win. Yeah, and I mean, you still got a little bit of that in the SEC. I mean, you got Florida Gators. You never know what the hell they're gonna do. You know, <laughs> Tennessee. You don't ever know what's going on with them. Ole Miss, South Carolina. If you ever think South Carolina is gonna be on the doubt, lose. There comes a win. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever know for certain they're going to win, go ahead and have your box of ch- tissues on standby. <laughs> go ahead and have you a couple of drinks lined up for after the game. Yes, sir. Because you're going to need them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just a really strange situation going on in Virginia with Bronco mm-hmm. pulling out. Because, I mean, you just look at how they did last year. Yeah, they lost six games, but. You lose that North Carolina, fifty-nine to thirty-nine. You put up thirty-nine points on a team, and you lose. Mm-hmm. You lose at BYU, sixty-six to forty-nine. I mean, you hang forty-nine on them, and you can't put them away. Pittsburgh hang thirty-eight points on them. You hang twenty-four on Virginia Tech and lose. Mm-hmm. Which that surprised me. I'll be honest with you, I thought. They beat Virginia Tech this past year. I thought they would too, man. I mean, everything that Virginia Tech was doing, just you know, they they were just again on the verge, but really couldn't find their way. Just a little too much inconsistencies. Yeah. The defense. I mean, they show up one week. They show up, play pretty decent, and then next week, cut your legs out for money. I mean, yeah. You beat Miami in a defensive struggle, thirty to twenty-eight. You beat Louisville, thirty-four to thirty-three. I mean, 
And that was a hell of a game. Yeah. Hard-hitting, just down-to-the-wire sort of game, man, that I've already watched three times in like the last three weeks just getting ready for this podcast, man. I, I just can't get enough of that game. Oh, man, that Louisville game was, I mean, awesome. It just sucks how they lost. They closed the season out losing four in a row, and I almost wonder if maybe that kind of pushed Bronco a little over the edge and maybe helped him lean towards his decision a little bit. Or I mean, it very well could have. Makes, it makes you wonder what happened because, I mean, they was doing really good. And then that Georgia Tech game, you won 48-40. Mm-hmm. And it's like after that game, that's when things really began to rear their ugly head. And it kind of makes, makes you wonder if his personal stuff didn't kind of go into what he was doing coaching-wise. and It was just kind of bumping heads, and they just really couldn't – he just couldn't see a way – out of it. Exactly. And I mean, with what he was going through, it's going to be a distraction. So I think that's a big reason why he stepped down as coaches because he didn't want to be coaching the team and be distracted because he knew mm-hmm. it would just hurt the kids, hurt the program, which I respect him a ton for oh, yeah. that. But Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's just so strange because this team has so much potential. And then you got right down the road – in the same state, Virginia Tech, doing the same damn thing, <laughs> going through a rebuild. Oh, I, but I, I think there was just something in the water in Virginia. I mean, they are kind of close to the state of Kentucky. Well, you know. You got West Virginia right there. Yeah, but you can't really say that too much because you got both Louisville and Kentucky in the state of Kentucky that, you know, they're, they're on a, the, the sort of winning side of things. Louisville was? I mean, they've got a hell of a quarterback, too. I mean, the Kentucky Wildcats look pretty good now. <laughs> Louisville, Louisville. Louisville had their moments. I mean, they were a lot like Virginia as far as flashy. Yeah. And that very, I don't know, that quarterback, it just makes you nervous watching Louisville. You hold your breath every time he plays because, <laughs> like, man – Knock on wood, but if this, if this kid gets hurt, oh, Louisville's met there. They are up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> Louisville is done. But you never know. They might keep building it up a little bit, but I don't know. But Virginia just – you lose a coach. Like I was saying before, we got sidetracked there. Yeah. They're going through a rebuild, and they've been having success the last several years now. Where on the other hand, Virginia Tech has declined steady the last several years. And it just got to where the product on the field was just getting stagnant, as I call it. Very stagnant. Very pond waterish. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you could almost script every game Virginia Tech had this year. They all look the same. They really did. They really did. I mean, you know, with the exception of a couple that they would pull out late or, or, you know, just teams that they would go up against that, you know, really wasn't in the same class as what they were. You know, it it, it just really wasn't a much fun to watch this year. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. North Carolina game that season over, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was cool. It was a hell of a football game, low sport. It was really good football. Yeah, and I really thought Virginia Tech had figured it out. 
I do too. But the problem was, it seemed like the rest of the year, they took the same exact game plan they had against North Carolina, just reapplied the same thing every week, week in, week out, no changes. I mean, go watch the film. Literally, the play calling, every game was almost in the exact order, it mm-hmm. seemed like. I mean, it, it wasn't really situational football. It was almost like scripted football somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very strange and just going through the motions kind of. Yes, sir. But now you look at the spring programs between these two teams, the team that has had success and had great culture the last several years, now that they have their new head coach, Tony Elliott, in there, you look at their spring practice, and then you look at Brent Pry over there at Virginia Tech, and it's kind of like they flip-flop kind of. It really did, man. I mean, it was – to be able to watch what they were actually able to do at at their practices – Virginia Tech just seemed to have a very much matter-of-fact, old-school, in-your-face sort of practices. Whereas Virginia, I don't know what they were doing, to be honest with you, man. I mean, it, it seemed like they were doing drills that just really didn't make much sense. Or when they were firing off the ball, they were teaching the linemen to stand straight up. It, it was just weird. Well, they wasn't... From what I'm saying, there wasn't so much teaching them, but what got me is Virginia Tech. You look at their practices, and they really focus, they're really focusing on the little things. Mm-hmm. They're saying, okay, we're going to perfect everything from our first step. That first step's got to be perfected before we can go forward. Yeah. If you mess up there, we're going to start over right off the rip. Where Virginia, you got guys doing false starts <laughs> and drills where all you're doing is taking a step and firing off the ball. You got guys standing straight up, a lot of standing up, a lot of walking on the field and kind of a going through the motion look. Yeah. Where Virginia Tech, I mean, every single drill they did with the linemen, you look, it involved the sled, or even when they wasn't away from the sled, they had got it drilled into their brains where they had to be low on every drill. Yeah. Really focused on their footwork, perfecting their footwork, going through all that. And what I loved was watching the linemen and everybody battle up underneath the chute. Oh, absolutely. That's the best way for a lineman to work to learn, man. That's the best way. I played lineman a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at me. I played. <laughs> yes, sir. You get the pancakes and then eat them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I like a good pancake my damn self. Get two or three pancakes next morning. You eat two or three pancakes. Hey, you got to celebrate, man. You got to celebrate. <laughs> but... The best way to get in the lineman's head to get low is the old school shoot. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, you stand up and you hit your head a couple times, you're going to learn. All right, I need to get down low. I need to get my legs out from under me a little bit better. It was really good, fundamental football. If the shoot don't concuss you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who's worried about a concussion? Those are a dime a dozen, man. But... Where Virginia Tech was really focusing on good, just fundamental football, and it looked really good. I mean, you look at their steps they were taking, mm-hmm. their splits. I mean, just the way they had their body positioned while they were blocking. I mean, everything they did, it just looked. You could tell they put a ton of effort this offseason in the little things. Mm-hmm. And just to be fair, though, I mean, as far as the physicality of the practices goes, 
Virginia Tech was in pads. Virginia wasn't. But that still doesn't let off of the fact of fundamentals. You don't have to wear pads to be fundamental. My thing is, if you ain't wearing pads, you should be moving faster than you are in pads. Yeah. Just the way I look at it. Yeah. Your footwork should be that much better outside of pads because you don't have the tight football pants pulling on you. Right. You don't have the shoulder pads messing with your balance. You should move even better in pads. Yep. If, if a team ever looks bad in shell day, <laughs> you are in serious trouble. Yeah. You, you make a valid point. <laughs> valid, valid point. If you ever have a bad shell day, man. And what I didn't understand with Virginia was – the lineman being down on one knee. Snap is called and they fire up from one knee. Not one knee, both knees. Was it both knees? I thought it was one knee, but no, yeah. Both knees. Yeah, it, it I don't know. It, it was just it was weird. I've never seen anything like that before. It, it was definitely something strange for sure. It just kinda caught me off guard a little bit. It wouldn't bug me if they were doing that, but it bugged me seeing them do that. Mm-hmm. But then when you stop, pause, play, pause, play, pause, and you walk through these drills and you look at them and people are stepping off with the wrong foot yeah. in their drills. Yeah. Their linemen are leaving ahead of the snap. Yep. Three to linemen are taking off and one of them's a full second behind the others on the snap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to get – you got to learn how to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. And maybe this team has had success for the last couple of years, so you can't tell me these guys want to play football. Maybe this new coaching staff, maybe it's got things kind of changed up a little bit. Maybe they have a different practice routine than what Virginia is used to, but it just it looked really confusing. You look at the receivers out there going through their route drills, going around cones and everything else, working mm-hmm. on chopping feet and moving feet. And the guys are out there stumbling, and some of them have beautiful footwork, but then you see some of them come through there, and they look like they got 10-pound weights tied to their legs. I mean, and, and a lot of it, too, was it didn't look like there was much of a – what's the proper word for it? They didn't have a whole lot of fire in their eyes. Didn't have a whole lot of fire in their eyes. They wasn't – it just didn't really seem like it was important to them. It just seemed like it was just another day. What bothered me is when I look at spring football, the thing that I'm looking for the most is a football player. If you love football and you got a good culture, I know me personally back in the day when I played. All right. You were dying for spring football. I mean, you were just itching, cannot wait. And when you get out there on the field, I mean, you were just so, you were on cloud. Nah, you way past cloud nine. You're on cloud 50 or 60. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Oh, yeah. Because you love the sport, and you've just been without it that long. When you finally get a chance to get back out on that field, man, it's just mm-hmm. it's like a little piece of heaven coming back to you yeah. or something. Yeah, it's just like, you know, for some of these teams that may or may not have got to play in a bowl game, if you didn't get to play in a bowl game, your last, your last game was in November. So you're looking at December, January, February, and March. So you're looking at four months without without a game or with you know without practice or anything like that. So you definitely want to see that that excitement, that love for the game, that joy. Exactly, man. I mean, you just 
when the guys are getting out there, like Virginia in practice the other day, just they didn't look bought into me. They didn't. They did not look like they were excited to be there. Some of the guys did. I mean, I'm not going to take to say all of them did, but there's a lot of guys out there that are just. I'm not going to say they didn't want to be there, but you could tell they had a lot of mixed emotions. But also, if you look at Tony Elliott's press conference after that practice, it really looked like he was really, really nervous about this first practice as a head coach. And I just kind of wonder if it rubbed off on his guys. No, absolutely. And I mean... It could have definitely rubbed off me. You got a guy that's never ever been a head coach. Kind of like a Shane Beamer situation. But see, at least with Beamer, he had coached before actual games. Mm -hmm. He'd been around enough coaches, I mean, enough practices with his dad. Mm -hmm. He knew what the hell to do. Yeah. He's been around long enough. Elliot's been up there at Clemson. I mean, he's been a co-offensive coordinator. He wasn't even sole offensive coordinator all these years. A lot of people didn't know that. Until last year. And then last year was when things didn't really yeah. work out too well. So, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is confidence is very contagious. Yeah. If you go out there and you're uncertain of yourself and the moment's a little too big for you, these guys are going to see that. Yeah. Yep. You know, attitude reflects leadership. I mean, and, and if you're if you're trying to lead a squad, and your attitude is that that you don't want to mess up, you're scared, you're just confused, you don't know what to do. That's going to rub off. I mean, it's it's like a lot of fire. Well, a team without a leader is just a bad place to be. Yeah. Yep. 100% agree. But now on the flip side of it, Virginia Tech, man. I mean, <laughs> Coach Pry has definitely got something going on over there. He's got just, I mean, just every one of the players that you saw in that practice, man, just looked like they loved being there. They were fired up about being there. They were competing hard. They were fighting their tails off. One man got beat. He said, hey, hey, come on. Let's do it again. Let's run it again. You ain't going to beat me this time. And they ran it back. And, I mean, he lit old boy slap up. Yes, he did. I mean, it, I said, damn. Yeah. And, I mean, they were – the pads were thumping. They, they really were. And, see, what I liked about the Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech more so was it was very vocal. You can hear the yeah. players. And see, here's a quote that I absolutely love, okay? Bad football teams, nobody leads. Average football teams, the coaches lead. Mm -hmm. But your elite teams, the very best football teams, are always led by the players. Yep. And, I mean, if you think about it, all right, Clemson at their peak, Deshaun Watson – DeAndre Hopkins, mm -hmm. Sammy Watkins, mm -hmm. ETN, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Skalski, mm -hmm. who was there this past year. But, I mean, 
and you look at that defense, it played its ass off. Yep. Teams that had these great vocal players, Alabama always has a team full of guys that go to the NFL and they're leaders. Yep. Every single one of them are just pure leaders. You don't have, I mean, everybody on the field, they're just real vocal and they just, they try to dominate. Absolutely. You look at Georgia's past year, Jordan Davis, all those guys on the Bulldogs team. Mm-hmm. Leaders on the team. And that's one thing that I really like about Virginia Tech practice. And I mean, I like that if I see that from any team. If you got a lot of players out there that are leaders, now don't get me wrong, now you don't want too many Chiefs and not enough Indians, but right. if you got these guys who stand above the others, they rise above. And show that they're the leader of the team. They're telling their guys, hey, come on. I got you. If you got me, and we're going to get through this thing as long as we got each other. That's what you got to have. That's the contagious attitude. That's the attitude you want spread through your locker room. Absolutely. But when you see a practice of a team and they got music playing in the background. If you see a practice of a team and they got music playing in the background and all the guys standing in line for the drills. You don't see a single man moving or anything with the music. They're just sitting dead still. Yep. And you can hear the song in the background, words for words for words, on the speakers at practice, and you don't hear nothing, no talk among any of the players. No. There's a problem. Yeah. And there's a problem. I mean, you don't want your players to be chatterboxes and not paying attention. But you want to have that spark. You want to have those guys out there with a chip on their shoulder and being a great leader. You want the excitement in the air. You want that electricity in the air. And if you got that music playing, you can just tell that a guy loves being there because he's, you know, he might be swaying with the music or he might be trying to sing along with it or just focused and just bouncing. Exactly. But if you got a guy just standing there, like Ben said, man, that, that, doesn't even recognize that he's even there, man. He's he's just he's not bought in. He's he's somewhere else. Well, I mean, we see we saw probably what 10, 15 drills. Yeah, and a single one of them, all this music blaring loud as hell, which is almost obnoxious how damn loud it was. But <laughs> yeah. all this music blaring, did you see a single player moving or anything? Not many, not many, if any. Did you hear any players talking any smack or anything? No, not at all. There was no smack talking. It was just even even in the drills that they were doing, man. You you couldn't even hardly hear them grumble or growl or or anything during those drills. No, no, no. If the drill is taking place, and I can still hear the coach word for word saying everything he's trying to say while the drill is occurring. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know. I'm not sold right now. I'm not, I'm not selling my stock in them, but I'm not going to buy any more at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to have to take a lot for me to buy any more stock into them. But at the same time, man, a, a first-time head coach, he's been an offensive coordinator, associate offensive coordinator, took care of an offense before, but yet. In his first interview, he says that he spent more time with the offense and not the entire team or 
is just focusing on that offense, man. It just almost makes it feel like he doesn't give a damn about the defense. Well, I mean, I don't know. I can't really say nothing about that because, I mean, that's what he's familiar with. He's an offensive coordinator. So, I, I see what you're saying. But my standpoint is, if all you've ever been is an offensive coordinator, that's all you've ever coached is offensive football, that's all you got experience with, stay the hell away from my defense. That's true. That's true. But at the same time, man, as a player, you how it's hard to buy into a coach if he's not spending any time with you as a headball coach. Well, if I'm a middle linebacker, I don't want somebody to coach his receivers holding my hand. I mean, another point. <laughs> no offense, but no, no, no. You, get, you, you get on that side of football, man. I mean, that's a different breed over there. Very valid point. Yes, sir. No disrespect to offense now, but. When you come over to the dark side, when you come on over into the defense, that's two whole different animals. Yeah. Yeah, there's sharks in the water on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, you're going from talking Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to Ray Lewis and old Zach Thomas and that. Levon Shirtman. <laughs> that's a whole different animal over yonder. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that that's a very valid point. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's really hard – I don't know. For me, it'd be hard to buy into a coach if he's ignoring you. But that's just, you know, that's just my thought. But, I mean, like you said, you know, offensive-minded coaches stay away. The only thing that bothered me a little bit is hearing him talk (laughs) nothing about offense. Yeah. I didn't hear no real perspective coming from defensive coaches, and that's the only thing that bothers me a little bit because last year, offense was not a problem whatsoever on this team. None. None at all. It was the defense. I mean, when you're scoring 49 points and you're losing games, that offense ain't to blame on that one. You hang 49 points on the board, we should have the second string in there. Yeah. Yeah. This ain't basketball. This football. Yeah. So, I don't know about that. Yeah, you. I mean, you're 100% right on that, man. It, for a team to be ranked second overall in total yards in the nation, but I believe it was like 102nd or something like that on defense in the nation, and there's there's a problem on that defensive side of the ball. That's that's why you're not winning the close games. Oh, absolutely. One thing they are going to have to fix, though, which I think they will in Virginia with the hire of Dust Kitchens as their OC. They got to figure out how to fix that running game because I've been sitting here looking reading the last few minutes. And when you're leading rusher for the entire season has 324 yards, that ain't good. Yeah. Your leading rusher has 324 yards, but yet your quarterback, who got 256 rushing yards and nine touchdowns, I mean, you've got a problem right there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Which, Brennan Armstrong had a little bit of athleticism, too, and I mean, I ain't going to say you got a problem with him running the ball because, hell, the O-line looked great last year. It really did. From everything I've seen, it looked really good, except for 
the Louisville game. He was under some pressure in that Louisville game. But here's the thing, though. I'm not saying anything bad about him running the ball because in today's game, you've got to be a little bit of a dull track quarterback. What I mean by that is for your quarterback to have almost as many running yards as your running back is a problem. I agree with you there. It's just, it was a very lopsided offense. I mean, your average rushing yards a game, 122.2, 104th in the nation. Mm-hmm. Your passing offense was 373.5, which is good for number two in the nation mm-hmm. and number one in the ACC. So you're literally going from the worst in the ACC to the best in the ACC. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, man. And and I was wrong on that defensive stat, too. That defensive stat, I told you, was uh, they gave up 456.4 yards per game, which is 121st, not 102nd. So they were even worse than what I thought. But no, man, I mean, <laughs> the yards per game, third in the nation for offense, passing yards per game, second in the nation for offense. I mean, that just goes to show what kind of quarterback you had in Brendan Armstrong. It really does. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, and it wasn't that he had one standout receiver either that he was throwing to. I mean, you had Dontavian Wicks. He had 1,203 yards. He was the lead receiver. But then right behind him, you got Thompson with 973, and you got Billy Kemp with 742. I mean, that's three receivers with 700 yards or more in a year. That's that's pretty damn yeah, respectable. I mean, that's, that's pretty even. I mean. That's very damn respectable. Yeah. I mean, if anything, the one that had the more yards got less receptions, but it, it, I believe he was the speed demon of the bunch and got open deeper a little bit more and, you know, was able to put up the yards that he did. Nine touchdowns for Wicks, two touchdowns for Thompson, and uh, six touchdowns for Kemp. Yeah. I mean, I just – something happened. Between October 23rd and October 30th. Because that Georgia Tech game, you went 48-40. That ain't good to get 40 points scored on you there by Georgia Tech. But they had that triple option offense, so I'll let it slide. But then you play BYU, and you lose 66-49. to I just, I can't get past that. I can't get past putting up 49 points and dropping a game. I almost wonder if Armstrong didn't get injured again because I know Wolfolk had some stats. I believe he actually started a game. Uh, had 22 completions with 41 attempts for 245 yards and two INTs in that game. I'm not sure exactly which game that was, to be honest, but um, I'm I don't wondering if, if maybe he got injured and just wasn't the same. It very well could be. It just... My biggest thing is the defense, man. I'm not worried about the offense. The offense put the points on the board. It's defense, though. I mean, hell, you let Virginia Tech beat you 29-24. And Virginia Tech last year was terrible. No offense, Hokie fans, no offense. But let's face it, Fuente, that was just a, that was a damn mess. That was a damn mess. Yeah, it, it really was. It really was. 2020 was a little shaky, but I said, well, there's a lot of room for, there's a lot of positives in 2020 and in 2021, and man, it, 
The wheels came off the damn bus. <laughs> yeah. And they was bowl eligible. They were. They were. They actually were eligible for the Fenway Bowl. Was that scheduled to play SMU, but that got canceled. No, I was talking about Virginia Tech. Oh, oh, my bad. My bad, yeah. I'm saying just, I don't get it. And now in the offseason, it's like literally both programs have somehow. Yeah. I don't get it. It just seems like Virginia Tech had just got that swagger. and I kind of wonder if, if, you know, if it's due to Coach Pride being, you know, that he was originally with Coach Beamer. He was originally with Coach Beamer. But also, man, you think about all the years he's been up there in Penn State. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a football program. Yeah. Even when they had the damn Sandusky Tickle Monster run around town. <laughs> I mean, that was a damn program up yeah. there. And, I mean, if any program in the nation has culture, it's Penn State. Yeah, you're 100% correct on that. And speaking of culture, man, I believe that Virginia Tech is getting their swag back quick, fast, and in a hurry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that 110%. But you also have a coach who's involving the fans a lot. He's inviting the fans out to watch practices and yeah. stuff. I mean, free. Yeah, getting them back in the stadium, getting them back involved in that football program. It's a big difference. Which, by the way, we're talking about coach, new coaches and culture and all that. You did a little poll, didn't you? I sure did. I sure did. We actually did a poll for the new ACC coaches coming into town. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Duke. I asked a question on ACC Sports Talk uh, on Facebook asking who they thought would be the the more winning program this season. So fans voted, and Virginia got 69 votes. Virginia Tech, 58. Miami only got 25, which is a surprise to me, and Duke got one vote. Who the hell voted for Duke? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess somebody wanted to waste the vote. I don't know. Uh, Hell yeah, put me down for Duke. Shit, I'm I'm an underdog kind of guy. There you go. Now, so, whenever the questions were put out for the first six hours, it was neck and neck. Virginia would take the lead, and here comes Virginia Tech. I asked the question on why you know, people were voting Virginia Tech, what they thought the difference was. And everybody said that uh, Coach Pry was changing the atmosphere. He was more involved in the fans, in going into the classrooms, you know, just doing everything to liven everybody back up and get everything back on track. Virginia, there was a lot of fans that, you know, I think were voted because they are solely Virginia fans. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we had a couple that said that they wanted to vote for Virginia, but they just couldn't buy much stock into the new head coach or what was going on. You know, with with everything. Yeah, I can see that. That really, I, I ain't gonna lie. That surprised me, Virginia. I, I put them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, for for me, the list would be Miami, just because 
everything's already there for Cristobal. Yeah. Number two would be Virginia Tech just because I love the change that's already happened there. Virginia would be three, and then Duke would probably be last. No disrespect. No disrespect. And it very well could be. You know, if Duke wins five or six games this year, that's a winning season that that they haven't had in a while. If Duke went to a bowl game this year, I would – it would be borderline the biggest success out of any of them, really, unless yeah. one of them went to the BCS. Because, I mean, you look at the past couple of years with Duke, man, I mean, it's been really bad. So, you get Duke back to a bowl game, especially if you win a bowl game, that would be that'd be like a damn natty. Yeah. For the football program to do that, especially in year one. But Yeah, especially with uh, the basketball coach leaving – in comes in your first-year head football coach. I mean, you could turn that program upside down in a heartbeat and turn it into a football school if, if you won six or seven games in your first year. Absolutely. And I like your picks there. It's a very close for me. It's real close between Miami and Virginia Tech. I think I also would have to lean a little bit towards my – Fuck it, I pick Virginia Tech. <laughs> so you're changing your vote from what you voted online, huh? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. I am. All right, what's your reasoning? Why are you switching it up on us? You're on a curveball. Everything screams Miami. I mean, you look at all the five stars they just had come in there this mm-hmm. year. All the transfers coming in. Absolutely. You got Mario Cristobal, a guy with, who played for Miami. Mm-hmm. Was a part of a national championship team on the offensive line. I think that was an 0-1, wasn't it? I think it was a one. From one of, if not the greatest college football team of all time. Mm-hmm. But you got a quarterback down there, Van Dyke. I mean, just it all sounds so great. Mm-hmm. But you got. Two problems that's going to hurt you a little bit down there. You got college athletes getting paid a lot of money. And you got a party scene. And you're in South Beach, Miami. (laughs) And that's a lot of distractions. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I like Cristobal a lot. I think he's a great coach. Seeing stuff he did in Oregon, very impressive. But I haven't seen – it's definitely swinging back around in Miami, but I have not seen it as far as a complete culture change and overhaul taking place down there mm-hmm. as I have in Virginia Tech. And one thing about Virginia Tech is if you get the fans – bought in up there in Blacksburg, if you can get that university bought in. I mean, hell, you got a quarterback coming in this year who was literally a part of the same exact thing they're going through this year. He was just part of the same exact thing Mm -hmm. at South Carolina, Mm -hmm. playing against some very good competition. Yep. So if anybody can help lift some guys up, you got Jason Brown coming in there. Yeah. You got a lot of returning players from last year coming back in Virginia Tech. Mm 
And don't get me wrong, man. Jason Brown is a hell of a quarterback. He won some big games at South Carolina. Oh, he's very talented. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a great bridge bridge guy at Virginia Tech. See, the thing is, he liked South Carolina. He got an offer. He played. But you got a guy coming to play quarterback who is playing at his dream school, the school he said he has always dreamed of playing at was Virginia Tech. Home state guy. Yeah. Dream school. Head coach. Coming back to coach a dream job for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things come full circle, which crystal ball. Yeah. That's Miami's a very ideal dream situation for him, but I can't explain it, but I like the Hokies. Something about what's going on down there. I just, I really like it. I respect that. I really, really respect that. And I think in the long run, Virginia Tech might be the choice here. This year, I still think it's going to be Miami out of these schools, just simply because everything's already in place. And there's not going to, I don't think that there's really going to be much of a growing pain since everything's already in place. I get that. I get that. But does Miami have near as strong of a football culture and fan base as Virginia Tech? That's a very good question. That is a good question. I think I, I, I really don't know how to answer that. Um, in the past, yeah. But with everything going downhill like it used to, I don't think they do anymore. In the last decade, hell, in the last 15 years, Miami, they just, I don't know, the school damn near lost interest in their football program in general. They finally went out and got a big-name coach this year, but, I mean, you did have Mark Rick there for a couple years, but he had to leave due to some health issues. Mm -hmm. You can see he's battling that now, but... And then once Fuente got in there, or not Fuente, um, Diaz, Manny. Diaz, Manny Diaz. I'm sorry. Once Manny Diaz got in there, he he just stunk the whole thing up. Yeah, he really did. It just Manny had a good uh, second season with him. 2020 was a good year for him. There's just little inconsistent games here and there. Yeah. The bit of an ass. I think they lost three games, two games, three games. Yeah, I can't remember, like but. It was, you know, it was also a COVID year, so they wouldn't play in a full schedule. They didn't have to play full stadiums. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. A lot of teams had success in a COVID year that did not repeat this year. And I'm telling you, you remember what Virginia Tech was like back in the day of Beaver. Frank Beamer. I mean, if you watched a game in that stadium, in the Lane Stadium. Bo, you could. <laughs> craziness. You could watch them walk in and you could just tell the ground was shaking. Everything was rattling. Metallica hits and everything just goes bonkers. 
Yeah, I'm going jealous of that entrance. Yeah, that's 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 all. That's yeah. That might be the best entrance in all of college football. It's, it's, it's badass. As much as I like South Carolina in 2001, I have to 100 percent agree with you on that. Yeah, man, for sure. But it's just it's a huge culture up there. Where in South Beach, man, it's just there's a whole lot of distractions going. It's hard to establish a culture somewhere. Here in South Beach, man. Yeah. I mean, hell, you got Coach O running loose down there now. <laughs> did you see some of the pictures of Coach O on the Twitter? <laughs> I did. I did. They got an animal on the loose down there. <laughs> it's like the movie Animal House. With, uh, what was his name? Bluto? John yeah, Bluto. Yeah, John Belushi, Bluto. Yeah, yeah, it's like Bluto has come back. Toga. Toga. <laughs> I'm turning right now. If a picture popped up with Coach O and a damn toga running around South Beach, I wouldn't even be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be rolling in the floor laughing. I'd laugh my ass <laughs> off. But the picture of him on South Beach in the sombrero with his arm around two women, that was just too much to take. That's Coach O, man. <laughs> I told you, there's a damn animal on the loose. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, Lord of mercy. <laughs> Gracious day. But, yeah, I just wanted to address that. Um, Before we go, man, we've been at the scene for close to an hour now. You got a few recruits and stuff you want to touch up on or transfers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go over a couple of things around the, the leagues, news and notes with transfers and things like that. First, I want to talk about LSU's new commit, Mac Markway, tight end. Uh, he actually re, uh, committed last week. We hadn't had a chance to really cover that yet. But uh, he's one of the nation's top-ranked tight ends. I also wanted to speak a little bit about quarterback Mac Howard, who will be visiting Pitt the first week in April. Uh, says that he loves how Pitt has developed. And uh, also, you know, really wanted to uh, really like Kenny Pickett. He also has uh, Miami, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State recruiting him. He's a four-star quarterback from Oxford, Mississippi. So you know those two schools are going to be going to be in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Dylan Lonergan, a quarterback, South Carolina is heavy on him. He's a, considered a heavy favorite for South Carolina, but he just visited Florida this weekend. Uh, looks like he will be visiting. Uh, Alabama on April 2nd and then back at South Carolina on April 16th. Oh, yeah. And we all know the name Corey Rucker by now. Arkansas State transfer, been in the portal for a couple weeks. He actually visited South Carolina last weekend. Really loved what he saw in South Carolina. That's always, I mean, that's a great place. Who wants to come to Carolina? <laughs> but you know what his biggest thing was that really got him excited the most? Don Staley. Don Staley, getting to meet Don Staley. He was on the way back to the airport, and they said, hey, we got a surprise for you. They pulled up at Don Staley's house, and out here she comes, and he goes crazy. Which, by the way, hats off to the Lady Gamecocks, man. They yeah. are playing their asses off this past weekend. Yeah, they sure are. They, they actually just won a game the other day, and they made it to the Final Four. They'll be playing this weekend. I watched the game for the Final but that was a blowout. Yeah. It, it was rough. Yeah, I know the North Carolina game uh, had me a little on the edge of my seat. That was a hell of a game. <laughs> that was an exciting game. Absolutely. And I don't even watch basketball. <laughs> Craziness, man. Absolutely. Corner, uh, cornerback Mitchell Agude has narrowed his teams down to three. 
Miami, you actually made the cut. You're in the top three teams. He's also looking at Oregon and Washington as the other two teams. I wonder if uh, Crystal Ball is doing a little recruiting on him while he's at Oregon. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that's that's a long ways apart. You got Washington and Oregon, and all of a sudden on the other side of the country, you got Miami. Mm-hmm. Got to be some ties there. It really wouldn't surprise me. I know it's supposed to be you're not supposed to talk to a kid until they get in the portal, but it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me what in the least little bit. Well, he's not in the portal. He's a recruit, ain't he? No, he's in, he's in the portal. He's transferring from. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My bad. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Need to pay attention. <laughs> no, you good. You good. Speaking of portal, I'm sorry, Florida State. Lost cornerback uh, Jarvis Brownlee Jr. He entered the portal the other day. They're saying that Amarian Cooper, Kevin Knowles, and Greedy Vance will compete for that position. Corey Wren, running back, also at Florida State, entered the portal. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yes, sir. Florida State, man. I... Bo, the hell is going on down there? I really do not know, man. I don't know. It is becoming really, really questionable, really, about just the program in general, man. It almost seems like like it's been poisoned or something. I don't know what the hell's going on with it, man. But, oh, you bring in some good recruits and all of a sudden the portal starts lining up. I mean, maybe you could say, well, the recruits are better than the guys you had there and they're going to lose their spot and they're leaving, but... Hell, it's still early in the spring, man. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You would Especially think, when starters. You would think that they would wait until after spring game to enter the portal to see exactly where they stand. But also some more bad news for you Florida State fans. As, <laughs> some, of, as some of you may have already heard, Gene Decker. Now, sorry, Gene Deckerhoff has been, he's been the voice of the Knowles for the last 43 years. He will retire following this broadcast of the FSU spring game on April 9th. I have to make sure to watch that one. Yes, sir. He's uh, been around for years and years, man. He saw the ups, he saw the downs. And like you said, I mean. <laughs> Came full circle. Yeah. I mean, maybe he sees it go, going downhill and don't see an end out of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm getting more and more concerned all the time about the Florida State Seminoles. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. I, I really, really, really hope they get it together and start to kind of bounce back this year and get back to that football relevance. But Yeah. Damn it, man. Y'all making me nervous. <laughs> I really, really hope, and I don't like to see any coach lose his job or even be on the hot seat. And I'm not calling for no coach's head just yet. What I am saying, though, is you got to turn it around, man. You got to get it going, get some excitement back into your group. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. Because. Bo, it's, it's looking a lot like Justin Fuente. It really Virginia is. Tech. The only difference is Justin Fuente actually had a couple good years starting out. Yeah. 
Justin Fuente, man, he, he really did good. It looked like he was about to make Virginia Tech relevant again. And I don't know, it just all went to went out the door. Yeah, that mm-hmm. like I said, the wheels came off the bus on that one. Yes, sir. I'm gonna go ahead and go over these last few real quick, just gonna name them off real quick for you. DeMont Demas, a five-star wide receiver from Texas A&M, enters the portal today. Josh White, linebacker from LSU, also entered the portal. Safety, Zion Keith from Wake Forest. Cornerback, K.J. Trujillo from Wake Forest. Quarterback, Davis Baville from Pitt. And linebacker, Luke Knox from Ole Miss, all entered the portal. This has to be NIL. I would, I would imagine. I can't remember a damn year of so many transfers, man. I mean, it's and it's never ending. No, it's really not, man. It's like you think it's it's good, and it's not. <laughs> and honestly, my personal opinion on the so NIL, I like the concept. I think the players should be paid some sort of compensation. But I do think that there needs to be a cap. And I also think there needs to be a signing. Well, not not necessarily signing day. How can I say it? A cutoff from when you can enter the portal, when it begins to when you can't enter it anymore in a season. The biggest thing is they just got to get a damn cap on this thing. Just like the NFL had to do a cap. They're going to have to do a salary cap for NFL. I mean, for NIL because – I mean, at this point, you literally have players just going to the highest bidder. Yeah. It's taken away a lot of the education point. It's taken away a lot from the actual college campuses, the beauty of the campus, the attraction of the actual university itself. Instead, it's just all about the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Lane Kiffin made a really good point on it the other day. He said – where Jimbo Fisher went out and trashed him and all that, and then uh, Lane Kevin had a clever comeback. He said, "He said I got called a clown for saying that players are chasing money. It's not just your program." He said, "But anybody who says the NIL has nothing to do with it is a fool," and it's very true. He said, "Because he said let's face the facts." He said, "All of us as adults, he said we pick our jobs." Biggest reason we pick all of our jobs is normally the salary. Yeah, that's the first question you ask. What's the pay? Yep. I mean, so if one college is offering a young man, say, $60,000, then he gets an offer for 400000 where the hell do you think he's going to go? To the highest bidder. Exactly. I mean, we got to do something about this. To still make it about the actual universities. Because, I mean, at this point, you're losing the prestige of actual college football. And it's just turning into more of a semi-pro deal. Well, you're 100% correct on that, man. I mean, do I think, again, that kids need to be paid for their image likeness if they do commercials, things like that? Absolutely. freaking lutely but do I think that they need, say, a $100,000 truck deal at Chevrolet just for signing on to play at a school? Absolutely not. 
I don't even have a problem with the truck deal. My thing is, man, if you get a truck, cool. But that's it. You got your ride. Don't worry about the cash line. Players need to get paid because of some fact that a lot of guys do have NFL futures. Remember Marcus Lattimore? Mm-hmm. Without doubt, was going to be a first-round pick in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He was a beast. Ruined his career before he ever got a chance. Doesn't have a dollar to show for it. No. So, I mean, that aspect, guys need to be getting paid because they need some way to fall back. Yes, you still get a college degree, but also get enough money where when you get out of college, you can go and get you a house. You can invest your money somewhere. You can get your life going. You need to get money for that. Start a business, something. No doubt you need that money. But there has to be a cap on it to where it's just not money getting thrown all over the place. Because, I mean, what about these smaller universities? Mm-hmm. What about the Georgia Southerns, the Citadels? What about all these? I mean, it's just a thing of the past. Like, Except if you're Barry Sanders down or Deion Sanders, excuse me, down there at Jackson State. Because you're Deion Sanders. you got a big <laughs> name. But, I mean, it makes it hard for a lot of universities. I love college football. The key word is college. I don't care about the Chick-fil-A, Bojangles, such-and-such Chevrolet dealership football. Mm-hmm. I like college football. Yep. I love seeing the campuses. Yep. I enjoy seeing the different campuses. I love seeing the cultures. I love hearing the university's pitches. And all the commercials always making a pitch on their university and trying to get their name out there and the education and all that. Learn a little bit of the backstory on what each in the university specializes in. Mm-hmm. If I want to hear about damn money problems all the time, I just watch NFL football. I just record my life. I want to hear about money problems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Oh boy! <laughs> oh, but but no, it, I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. There needs to be something done now. If you're like some kids out there who have created a business or a brand and are selling shirts, clothes, things of that nature, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's an entrepreneurship. That's not actually being paid to play. You're running a business getting paid for your product. There's nothing wrong with that in my personal opinion. I don't have a problem with you getting paid to play. I don't have a problem with that. But damn all this highest bidder <laughs> auction of the college football world going on bullshit. Six million dollars to throw a football in college. It ain't took a snap. That they something wrong. We were Bitching last year about $1 million before even taking a snap. And it's just going to keep going up and up and up. It's going to be just like NFL does. So they got, NCAA's got to figure out something as far as that goes. Yeah. But with all that being said, I think I'm good on this one. I'm good on this one too, my brother. I think we touched all bases. But I, I just, I'm just happy that we got football to talk about. Same here, man. Same here. Well, all that being said, I hope y'all check us out on Facebook, First and Goal, Instagram, Twitter, 
Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. YouTubes. We now got a YouTube up. We got our first video out last week. That's exactly all right. Hopefully this will be number two, depending on how my editing skills go. <laughs> <laughs> Still learning, so don't hate on it. It will get better, I promise you. Absolutely, man. Just like time. That's exactly right. But uh Well, with all that being said, I just wanna say I appreciate y'all tuning in and hope y'all have a good evening. We love you. We'll see you next time. And say goodbye to the big guy.